Fantasy Draft. The only rake-free daily fantasy site in the biz has partnered with Hooters to bring you the largest guaranteed rake-free contest lineup in the history of daily fantasy sports, including the $1 million Hooters kickoff. Only on Fantasy Draft are 100% of entry fees paid to contest winners. Sign up at FantasyDraft.com today with promo code FFP and you'll get a free 7-day trial membership. Void where prohibited, must be 18 or older. The trio behind Fanball's original pants party in the mid-2000s have reunited for insightful fantasy football advice, entertaining analysis, and a few dated comedic cultural references. Let's put our pants on. Absolutely. Stay here for lineup help, free agent recommendations, DFS advice, and everything else you need to win your league and run with the big dogs. Resurrecting what was once greatness. This is the Fantasy Football Party Podcast, featuring Sport Radar's Bo Mitchell and John now, here's Anthony Maggio. And it seems like we were just here. Well, we were just here. It's been a little we're, while, but we're back at JL Beers in Burnsville. John Tuvey, Bo Mitchell. Yeah. Anthony we, Maggio. We heard here. they missed us. That's what they said. We're I back, brought my though. pencil. Thank you. It, uh, it's Give great. me something to write on, man. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to be back here at JL Beers in Burnsville. And speaking of being back, we're back with our old home as well in terms of. Uh, Virtual host, although yeah. via new name, the since rebranded Score North was fifteen hundred ESPN, where we were every year uh, since last year, and okay. now we are with the Score North folks. Very happy to be back in the mix there with our uh, old compadres. So that's a lot of fun. Um, gosh, we miss all of you listeners and our banter on Twitter, but we've been getting a little little of that going already, and oh, I feel yeah. like the uh, questions are going to be coming in quick now. It's fantasy draft season, fellas. We've, we've already uh, irked Dave Bergen, so yeah. I, that's a great start to the yeah, season. Yeah, it was the right first there. order of business, yep. really. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad we were on that. So uh, we'll, we'll have, uh, for regular season shows, which will start in a couple weeks here, it's going to be a little bit uh, different in terms of our format, but we'll get more into that here in a couple of weeks. Uh, the preseason shows, we got a lot to talk about so that'll still be uh, kind of biz as usual we're going to start with our immediate regrets as we want to do hold out an injury news from uh, Bo the draft strategy auction strategy segment we like to do every year to get you uh, guys and gals ready for uh, draft and auction season which got to imagine there's a lot of those happening this weekend uh, we'll talk some sleepers and busts and of course early season schedule information uh, to help you break some ties and get ready for uh streaming when uh that applies to you and your league so first you know what i gotta talk about i'm already on number two here at a baby uh, at jl beers i'm working on the tw- <laughs> you're right there bo <laughs> i i did say that you said i did say that you said number uh, two <laughs> i'm on i'm also on to the helen high watermelon from 21st amendment after i had the uh fair state double spirit foul with uh some of their friends out in San, San Diego. Mm, Ooh, that's San Diego. German, I believe. Yeah, and uh, our buddy Jake told me the name of the brewery, and I can't remember it, and I didn't write it down, but what I can I do is, yeah, I can do that. I can play a sound bite, so there you go. <laughs> they also have this really cool thing. It's called a menu. It's not but, on the menu. Oh, well, neither is mine. No, okay, so I'm not crazy because I, I had the exclusive house brew watering hole because I'm a, I'm a huge fan of amber beer, and... And I asked, uh, I asked Mike for a recommendation, and uh, he said all the boys come running for this milkshake stout nitro. So yeah. it's fantastic. I've got this. It's made with um, it's a real panther, so you know it's good. It is. I've got this uh, little-known pilsner out of uh, this place in New Ulm, Minnesota. 
Is it a Natterday? Is that what they call it? No. No? Okay. Uh. What's What's great is that they like us so much here that we haven't been here in a few months, and, of course, immediately oh, they, just give, they just – Well, as a, group, as a group, <laughs> we have not true. been here in a few months. And, of course, they immediately give Bo crap about uh, his <laughs> would, ordering. Would you like a glass of water? <laughs> <laughs> so, no, it's, it is great to be back here. And, of course, we record at JL Beers in Burnsville, Minnesota, every Wednesday. The next couple of shows will actually be 6.30 start times because, of course, I am a diva and needed to move them for mm-hmm. draft purposes. Oh, I thought you had to be home for the ankle bracelet thing. Or well, no, it's still that. well. It works here too. Okay. It's, I'm, oh, we're close good. enough to my house. All right. It's a, it's, Don't tell people. I, that. I told them I have a very big house. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, yeah. So it's all. It's all good. Many uh, leather bound books. <laughs> smells of rich mahogany. That's right. All those things. Uh, speaking of, I think we should get to our regrets. The party podcast now continues with. I immediately regret this decision. Let's find out what moves Maggio, Mitchell, and Tubi feel remorse over. Oh. How about yeah. we start with you? Yeah, well, I've got a lot of regrets, but I'm, I'm just going to narrow it down to one, and that was the fact that I took Pat Mahomes at the end of round one in one of my industry drafts. Now, On purpose? He's really good, I, though, I, I did. I did. I think you can get away with taking Mahomes uh, in non-industry drafts, in maybe 10-team drafts. You can take him that high because... There's, uh, you're, you're still going to get uh, the good running back, good wide receiver, maybe in round two. But I went, uh, I went Mahomes, and then followed it up with a Gurley in round two. Um, I was trying to zig while others were zagging in this industry draft because if you don't take some chances, you're going to, you're going to get outgunned in, in a lot of instances. However, I, I don't recommend doing this uh, if you're in a tough league. I don't recommend doing this. You've got a lot of Sharpies that you're drafting with because you, you're not going to either be happy with your running backs or your best wide receiver. Uh, for instance, my best wide receiver now, after taking those two in the first two rounds, I, I think I went running back again, mm-hmm. top wide receiver T.Y. Hilton. And I think in my, in my mind the, the wide receivers aren't, the really good wide receivers aren't as deep this year, especially with the weirdness going on with Antonio Brown, which we'll get to. Mm-hmm. A.J. Green's injured. Keenan Allen's already injured. Amari Cooper's already injured. Mm-hmm. The fall-off after you get to about 15 wide receivers is bigger than it's been in past years. So uh, what I learned from this is, uh, you know, if you really have to hit on those wide receivers if you go like a Mahomes running back, or even, you know, in some of these leagues, if, you know, Kelsey's going in round two in a lot of instances. So, again, that takes up a spot where you would normally draft a premier running back or a very good running back or a very, very good wide receiver. So um, get away with it in in the the office league and get away with it in 10-man leagues probably. But uh, beyond that, probably not the best idea. Nice. Not great, Bob. Not not great, Bob. Tuvi, how about you? Well, I, in tying in with our jail beer sponsorship, I, I came back here. It's been a while, and I jumped right in with the bacon cheddar pino burger with the jalapeno chips. That's a little little much for the palate. You know, I'm, I'm sweating a little bit. I, I got a three-alarm <laughs> fire going on in, in the back of my throat right now. So, oh, you have any oh, fantasy football regrets I, I actually you share do. with the audience? Yeah. Oh. Um, you should have just said no and stopped on. No, nope. <laughs> that's it. Don't don't have your draft too early. And as much as I love the fishbowl and everything it stands for, yeah. and bringing industry yeah. people together, uh, when your first round goes 
Melvin Gordon, Michael Ooh. Thomas, who was holding out at one point, yeah. Keenan Allen, who Ow. may or may not be ready for week one, and then just to make sure I had enough good receivers, A.J. Green. Ah, That's, that's a yeah. rough start. Yeah, on July 7th or whenever that draft yeah. started, it's that for felt pretty good. Pretty <laughs> and yeah. then, you know, a month and a half removed, yeah. a lot not can so change. much. Yep. Fortun- fortunately, I stopped copying you in our draft after Melvin <laughs> Gordon because that would have been, been bad. And, yeah. and I look back and, like, you know, I made the right decision at the time. I think it was mm-hmm. two days later that the holdout yeah. happened. Yeah. But he was the of, – of the backs I had, he was the last good back. And yeah. um, uh, Hopkins was not an option. He was off the board. So Julio Jones probably would have been who I went with if yeah. Gordon wasn't there. But I, I, I really like tried to I really tried to trade you Melvin Gordon several months ago in our dynasty league. Yeah, and I was very interested. If I if I wasn't already so Charger heavy, yeah. and and that's an offense I, I love. And now with Melvin Gordon out of the picture and Keenan Allen. Although, uh, nice to have a little insider information. Uh, a friend of mine worked the truck for the uh, preseason game with the uh, Chargers yeah. and was the uh, the uh, uh, stat guy for Dan Fouts. Oh, I was Dan like, is Fouts. that Spanish for Jenks? he robbed the truck? Jenks, Jenks is a stat okay. guy for Dan Fouts. I said, if you could just throw me a bone and a little little info on Keenan Allen. He said, he's out here running Fouts. He said he's, he'll be there week one. So, right. hey, one of my first nice. four. Well, and now that Thomas signed, yeah. half my first four picks. So, yeah, I'm right there. To, to get back to your initial early draft, I'm, I'm curious. I want to get your take on this too, Bo. Like, as, you know, we've been in this industry for a very long time, and, you know, we, we know what we're doing from a draft perspective, and generally speaking, we're ahead of the game when it comes to just kind of knowing the landscape of the NFL and the player pool. Do you feel like, you know, you, you, know, you made your point about not drafting too early, and certainly July 7th is very early, but in general, do you feel like, you actually might prefer, depending on who's all in leagues with you, to draft a little earlier than later to be able to sort of read the tea leaves more and take it maybe take advantage and, and, and sort of be rewarded for maybe being more of a skilled player or an informed player? Yeah, most of the leagues I'm in are with industry guys, mm-hmm. so it's it, it doesn't really do you any good. So, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah, I. Preferably, I'd rather wait till after at least the third preseason game. But, mm-hmm. yeah, if you're in a league, like I said, where you can maybe get away with drafting Mahomes in the first round, a 10-team league, an office league, or if you're in a league with guys who are just trying out fantasy football, yeah, maybe the earlier the better. Yeah. Because that you probably know more than they do in a lot of cases. Speaking of industry guys, I wish I could remember which guy was tweeting this out, but someone in the industry was saying that exact thing, that if you, you want your local league mm-hmm. to be early. Yeah, because you do have a leg up, and, and and the people listening to this podcast, I think just by their very nature are probably more fantasy football veterans that because they're sure. they're going out of their way to listen to a fantasy football podcast. So, well, and they're old uh, enough I, to get I would our think references. if <laughs> if you're listening to this, you probably would uh, tend to like the drafts earlier too. For sure. Um, I will. And I actually, I want to talk even more on the Mahomes thing, but we'll get to that when we talk draft strategy a little later. My regret's going to be uh, I'm, I'm pretty heavy on Travis Kelsey and best ball leagues. And this was when it was looking like uh, this is a poor reading of the tea leaves when it looked like Tyreek Hill was going to be out for an indefinite yeah, period know of if time. You can play the NFL finds a way to make you eligible. Right. Yeah. And, and so I used late first round picks in in 
multiple uh, best ball drafts on Travis Kelsey, building a team that way. And, in fact, in a couple of instances, I even uh, paired him with, with George Kittle because I can corner the market on the top tight ends and use one of them in the flex because it is best ball. So if they both have big weeks, I'm not stuck with one of them on my bench. Um, but, obviously, with the Tyreek Hill news, that had I, had I known that going in, you know, Travis Kelsey's still an excellent pick and still my number one tight end in my, you know, my rankings, but uh, certainly not someone that uh, I would have reached for that early in the first round. Although I will say um, if, again, in these smaller leagues uh, where everybody's got an all-star team, an uh, mm-hmm. early pick like a Kelsey or an Ertz mm-hmm. or, a, or a Mahomes where there's a pretty good gap between them and the rest of the field, even if Mahomes has some regression, um, that will make your team. That's a differentiator. That 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 that's nice to have when basically yeah. every team's fairly loaded. Don't yeah. mow Maj's lawn too much. It's He's been mowed. Be touching, yeah. It's, it's kind of been mowed. Oh, is that <laughs> raking up the clippings <laughs> right, right now? That's fine. We'll edging on the side. Okay, we'll just remind folks about it later. All it's right. a All we right. got we got a lot we got a lot that's going fine. on. That's fine. Bo, when you're done, you can come mow my lawn. <laughs> my kids are just doing it. Well, I think you know Bo's, Bo's doing such a good job. Let's throw to Bo now at the uh, Channel Score News Desk. Bo, thank you, Veronica. Here's what's happening in your news tonight. In your news, in your world tonight we'll edit that now we won't, <laughs> now we won't. we'll just leave that in uh the six big news stories that we're going to touch on here the ezekiel elliott holdout the melvin gordon holdout two holdouts to go over uh the aj green injury news that uh, will keep him out of games into the season as we've touched upon the todd Gurley injury news mm-hmm. new question mark i'm ron burgundy uh, I had to use the sound. To, sorry. Thank you. Yeah, Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, Andrew Luck's ankle that we have to tell you, he's still not practicing this week. He might be by the time you hear this, this podcast, but still as of the week leading up to their third preseason game, not practicing. That's not good. And then, the, of course, the Antonio Brown cold feet helmet. Lord helmet as we're going to call him all season That's long. going on. But look. That squirrel can water ski. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, let's uh, let's start with the holdout news. Um, with with Ezekiel, uh, you know, we, we've we've seen this movie before, somewhat recently, in fact, with Le'Veon Bell last year. Yes. And, and did we learn any out. lessons? Uh, let's to, let's go to the Dave Bergeron uh, Le'Veon <laughs> Bell desk for. <laughs> he, oh, he must no. be under the desk. Um, yeah, actually, I you know what I my takeaway from the Bell situation last year was because I did draft Bell. First overall, fairly late in the um, yeah. in the preseason. And and did you get Connor? No, no, I did not. Okay. Um, but really, Sorry. it's you know I've always it, it, it kind of went against what I've sort of espoused in, in my fantasy football prognosticating career, and it's that you don't really want to screw up your first few rounds. There are so many good players that yes, um, something might happen where where player X might turn out to be elite. And, you know, player Y is a significant downgrade. But in the, you know, when you're doing your rankings in August, that's not, you know, those yeah. things don't show themselves. And so rather than say, you know, and, and, you know, we were talking last year about Bell, like, well, do we move him down one spot, two spots? And it's like, well, if you're going to if you're going to move him at all, I, I've kind of come to the, you know, revelation that I'm going to move him down fairly significantly. And, you know, I'm talking like, you know, running backs 
17, 18, 19-ish right. range because you need to ensure that you haven't screwed up in your first couple of rounds. And if somebody else wants to take that risk and, and the gamble pays off, you tip your hat and you move on yeah. because, you know what, it, it's still just because it worked out in terms of that player playing, that doesn't mean he's not going to get hurt. That doesn't mean he's going to be as good as you thought he was. And so um, that that's kind of my takeaway from last season. Tuvi, what about yeah, you? Yeah, given the Le'Veon Bell template from last year, Tuvi, if you're drafting this weekend, neither one of them has reported as of this weekend, probably, or when you're listening to this. If, if neither one of them has reported as you're listening to this, what do you do with these guys? I'm actively avoiding them. I, I was in a slow draft uh, recently where I had the fifth pick and Zeke was still on the board. David Johnson. And, was, and yeah. I didn't even think about it. And mm-hmm. coming back, I think I had a shot at Melvin Gordon still in the third round. I was like, you know, there's some nice upside but it kind of goes back to what Maj says. I mean, all in or all out. If I yeah. want to go all in with the risk, I probably would have taken him second round or if he's still there third round. But I think the the bullet with both of those is good enough offensive line that if you take him, you got to jump a round or two earlier on Eckler yeah. and, and Pollard, who's becoming the guy, you know, Ziku. I mean, yeah, that offensive yeah, line is yeah. good enough to make Justin somebody Jackson, don't, don't other, about him yeah. too. Well, somebody other than Alfred Morris yeah. can look good behind that offensive line. Yeah, Justin Jackson's probably the, the goal line for guy. The Chargers, yeah. Or the, the first and second down guy mm-hmm. for the Chargers. He's a heel, and you'll get him at a much better value because Absolutely. he's less of a known commodity um, than Eckler. And so Eckler's going to be going first in your drafts. I, you know, at, at what point, the, I, can, I can understand this crossing Gordon off your list completely because this holdout this holdout's lasting to this into the season. I'd be shocked if he doesn't miss regular season games. The Chargers aren't ready to aren't going to blink. They can they can have him under team control for another couple of years. They can they can tag him. They went 4 and 0 without him last year when he was hurt. So and like you got like you mentioned, they've got a few pretty good backups that they can run within his stead. Um, but Zeke I think it's done. Zeke I think I'm willing to not cross him completely off my list, but I will. I'm not going to grab him in the first round. I'll let somebody else do that. But if everybody else is in, kind of thinking the same way, and he's there in the middle of the second round, do you? I think my concern with Zeke is more. He's not. I mean, he's in Mexico. He's not training. So no, he's, he's down to his lowest playing weight well, since he started. I, I reportedly, he's not going to hit the. He's not ground, in football it, shape. Yeah, when he shows up, he's not going to hit the ground running. It's going to take a little bit of time, and we've seen holdouts in the past lead to injury, lead always. to all, almost all always. kinds of problems. So Especially yeah, there's backs. still plenty of upside, and I do agree with you that I think he's going to be back on the field by week one, maybe week two at the latest. But I don't know that he's Zeke as we know him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For the first month, when I you know I put Zeke ahead of Gordon, certainly it does sound like Gordon right. is going to be an uh, an extended holdout here. At least that's what you know in reading yeah. the tea leaves. Um, so where I start to actually think about um, you know Zeke first would be in that range where you've you're no longer drafting guys that you are just certain of their bell cow ish role. So I'm talking like the. Devontae Freeman, Aaron Jones, Marlon Mack neighborhood, yeah. like those guys, I'm still going to take those guys over Zeke and uh, and, well, and Gordon. And nine times out of well, ninety nine times out of a hundred, someone else is going to take him then. Before you, right, you take right, him, so. it's it's yeah, that's a, it's really a moot point in in most drafts at that point. But that's just that's for me. I, I'm I'm going to. Like I said, I'll tip the cap to the guy who who takes a minute and it works out because uh, it's a lot 
you can still win your league if you take Marlon Mack over Ezekiel Elliott and you mm-hmm. and Zeke comes back and you still nail the rest of your draft. If you take Zeke early and you don't, it's a lot harder to win your league. Okay, the other running back I mentioned, Todd Gurley, not playing at all this preseason to protect that knee. Were you waiting for me to hit the button bar? Sorry. No. You can do it. No, no. Well, I did it. It's too late. Thank Where, God. Where you guys say, are you, again, cross him off. You wait for him to drop the side. Got him in the second round of one of my drafts that felt like a decent bargain in the I, second round. I think if they were truly, truly concerned about that knee, they would have done more at the running back position this offseason. Mm-hmm. I think even if he's dialed back, and goes from 20 touches a game, or what, what did he average when he was healthy last year? 20, 22, more, I think. to 15 to 18-ish. Um, he's, he's still he's going to get goal line looks, and that offense can it's less dependent on him than, it is, than the Cowboys are sure. on Zeke. So things don't crumble for the Rams, but I still think Gurley gets his. So I, I'm comfortable with him. I think I've got him at 7 his among ADP, backs, his so. ADP is eight amongst running backs yeah, right now. That feels about right to so, me. So yeah, beginning of round two felt all right. By the way, his backup is Malcolm Brown. I mean, it's not he, this what third or fourth round guy that was the third best running back at his college. Who doesn't understand Everybody the loves, offense yet? No, okay. <laughs> Who's still you know. playing in preseason games because just to get him <laughs> reps in the offense while Malcolm Brown yeah. okay. sits on the side because he knows what he's doing. I, I mean. To me, Gurley's another guy I'm just not going to get because I'm a little further down than than him um, on him than yeah. that. Because uh, of the question marks. Well, I, I don't see it the way Toomey does in terms of them not doing more at the position. I mean, yes, Daryl Henderson to this point hasn't exactly wowed anybody, but that wasn't the anticipation, I think, when they took him. And they took him with a role in mind. He wasn't taken as their backup, as the mm-hmm. backup there. Like you said, Malcolm Brown is the backup. They matched an offer, an offer sheet from Detroit. That they wanted Malcolm Brown, and and that says something when it's a position like running back. Now they invested in Todd Gurley; they gave him money. So um, you know, I, you give the Rams credit as an organization for the way they go about their business, but they did give Gurley a lot of money. So there is a little bit of old school thinking still still in there. But um, they felt that Malcolm Brown was an important piece of that puzzle. And to me, that I mean, it's it's not going out and getting an ace. You know, it's not going out and paying Le'Veon Bell, but it's not doing nothing either. And it's just enough to give me pause. I I, I agree that the you know, dude's still an elite talent, but um, boy, that's uh, it's an early pick to spend on yeah. on a question mark like that. Again, going back to Bose and, and what you're going to talk mm-hmm. about a little bit later in a ten team, I, I feel a lot more comfortable taking Gurley than I do in a fourteen. Where yeah. if you blow yeah. that pick, you you're not, really need you're not to nail get something another later. chance. Yeah. Um, the other, I, I think the Andrew Luck story is getting overlooked a little bit too much here. That's. <laughs> That could be really huge, guys. I don't need to tell you his injury history or any of our listeners, but week one, the Colts and the Chargers, they play a late game. Will Melvin Gordon or Andrew Luck be on the field? <laughs> At least and we'll know Gordon we, will, beforehand. Will we know about Andrew? Will they even, I mean, well, aren't going we, to week one questionable probably. Yeah. And aren't then, we supposed to know this week? Wasn't that what the yeah. Colts said? Was uh, By week three, we'll, we'll let you know. Well, and you're a big Andrew Luck guy, too. I'm so. a huge, and I've moved him down steadily. Because Is he all the way down to two on your list? No, <laughs> I've got him at um, seven. Wow. I, I, I think I had him at You've three or four. really penalized yeah, him. I, okay. yeah, I've, I've dinged him a little bit because there's good quarterbacks out there. Th- there are plenty he of good quarterbacks. Yeah. 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 And, and 
going back to the safe thing. If, mm-hmm. if you told me Luck's going to play 16 games in that offense, yep, uh, bump him back up yeah. to three. But I don't feel more than 60% confident that he's going to. Wow. Mashinai All right, I'll just hands. stay on this side <laughs> of the table. Good thing this is only an audio <laughs> uh, Well, with there, there's sort of two um, diverging paths here, and it really depends I on your I follow the league. one less traveled. Good. Yeah. Uh, the, <laughs> thank you. Was it Frost? <laughs> um, Frost with, or with, uh, Eddie Van Halen. I don't know. If you are in a league that your, um, your league mates generally are going after quarterbacks early, then I definitely uh, uh, subscribe to the drop Andrew Luck in your rankings. Um, just not where I mean, reaching on a quarterback's wrong anyway. Reaching on a quarterback that's injured is just uh, criminal. So, mm-hmm. um, but if you are in a league that properly waits on quarterback, then I'm not actually dinging him as much, um, you know, as Tuvi does. And it's I I can't point to any like you know news item or somebody's tweet here, but it's like you know with luck. Think about the you know all the buildup coming up to last year and all the question marks with with his shoulder. You know, they Indy just kind of plays their cards close to the close to the vest. They're not going to yeah. give you anything. They don't care, you know, it, one way or the other. You know what anybody thinks or, or what the reports are. They just they want their franchise quarterback on the field, and they're going to do what they need to to get him there. You know, um, you know I said I was going to point to a specific tweet, but I will note that you know Dr. David Chow, who is on Twitter, uh, Pro Football Doc, has has yep. noted um, that this is a uh, something, and I think that this I can't remember if I saw this as a retweet from Evan Silva or not, but it was via. Um, David Chow, but basically saying that he was, this is an injury he can play with. And that was something that I was, I sort of thought anyway. I'm, I'm certainly no doctor, but, you know, Andrew Luck has been on the field warming you up played before one in games. fourth grade, I heard. I, yeah. yeah. Um, terribly. Um, uh, nobody got hurt. Uh, and, and, you know, he's on the field moving around a little bit. It's not a, it's not a shoulder injury, which, by the way, he's played through a throwing shoulder injury before. It's not like Andrew Luck's not a tough guy. So even if he's got to go out there and play with some pain, uh, I think that, that he can be successful doing that in this offense and that he's an, he's an elite quarterback. And so, I, again, I'm not, going to, I'm not going to punish him in my rankings so long as my league's not already you know, um, sort of bumping up quarterbacks to a point where it's not worthwhile drafting one regardless. If so only the, there were someone in that front office that could get liquored up and, and tweet some <laughs> stuff out. It's oh, wait, they don't do that anymore. So the important distinction here. They don't tweet anymore? Qu- quickly. Before- <laughs> I, think they took the, I think they took them away, didn't they? <laughs> that's enough for you. We're cutting you off. So, uh, so what I heard you say that's in, that jumped out at me is just the fact that Luck could be practicing and playing if they needed him to right now, but yeah. but what's the point? Right. So, yeah, that's uh, – all right, let's say he misses week one. I mean, if you're in a two-quarterback league or a super flex league, you've got to tread a little more cautiously. But even still, I just took – I'm in a, in a FSWA experts league, and I I passed on, on Andrew Luck and took Matt Ryan instead. But then Andrew Luck was still waiting for yeah. me the next round. I was like, yes, this is exactly what I wanted yeah. to have happen because now I can – and I'm going to take a third quarterback. And if I need to, if I need to patchwork a week – totally fine with that yeah the other way around works too i mean if you take andrew luck 
Guess what? There's enough quarterbacks to go around, but you're going to draft mm-hmm. yourself a pretty darn good backup regardless. If you need to, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, in all but uh, the flex leagues that allow you to start yeah. two quarterbacks, that is. All right, uh, real quickly then, the two wide receivers we touched on, A.J. Green, we know he's going to miss some time. How far have you moved him down? And, oh, my God, that Bengals offense without him, that's not going to be great. And then Antonio Brown, if he finds himself a damn helmet to wear, before you draft, what do you do with them? But if he still hasn't found a helmet and is still being weird about all this, when you draft, what do you do with them then? You know, over the last three years, uh, Green's missed, I believe, 16? No. Uh, He's missed a lot. Of 13 games. games. And yeah. they've only averaged a point and a half less without him. Now, that's not that's ideal. That's shocking. I was surprised by that. I thought the numbers would be a lot. And Boyd has now moved up to where you're you're taking yeah. a full season of Boyd mm-hmm. almost at the same ADP as mm-hmm. half, two-thirds of a season of Green. He was a great value in the fourth round on July night there whenever I took him, <laughs> I'll tell you that. And now I, I stay away. I mean, he's a dude that I think he'll be back sooner rather than later. I think it's probably only a month. But mm-hmm. that might be wishful thinking uh, you know, as far as, as what he's played through, and you know, Andy Dalton and Tyler Boyd, yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm certainly not jumping on the Boyd bandwagon. All right, <sighs> Brown, still Lord Helmet. If, if if he doesn't have himself a helmet when you draft, what are you doing? Whoa, I, man. He's going to play, isn't he? Come I mean, on, I'm still, I'm still lower. He's not going to retire. Well, uh, here's the, look at it this way: What if he was totally healthy and was switching quarterbacks from Ben Roethlisberger to David, uh, Derek Carr. Is that, is that a negative? Right. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So that's a negative. Now he's in a different offense than the one he's had success in. That's a question mark. Yeah. Also, frostbitten feet, and he may or may not play because, uh, you know, Lord Helmet. That's a lot of question marks yeah. for a guy that's generally been the number one receiver well, yeah, off the I've, board. I've already moved him down just because of the switch to the Raiders, but this is... How far? Where, where is he at? Is he a wide receiver one for you? Is he in the top ten? He's one of the last wide receiver ones that okay. I would... Yeah, I'd right. take another... Try to take another pretty darn good wide receiver to back him. Uh, yeah, so, yeah, he's just... Yes. <laughs> he could, his falloff could be precipitous. He scored, what, 15 touchdowns last it year? It rain on him? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I I mean even without this helmet thing, I mean he's just sort of a lot he's of, a different cat, you know. Of, really? And and <laughs> I guess he is. The expectation for this Raiders team isn't like they're starting their climb now. It's they're still rebuilding. You know, it, it they're still a couple of years away if everything breaks right from being a contender and is that a situation that you think Antonio Brown's going to feel real good about come week 11 and 12? Like, even with a helmet that's approved? <laughs> Rich, Rich Eisen had great comments on his podcast where it was essentially boiled down to, where's the Antonio Brown that was a, what, a sixth-round pick out, out of nowhere and mm-hmm. worked his tail off? Mm-hmm. And we thought Mike Wallace was the crazy one when the Steelers shipped him out, and yeah, Antonio yeah. Brown worked his way to being the best receiver in football. Do we get that guy in Oakland, or do we not? I mean, that that would be the guy yeah. I would pay for. I don't think we get that. No. I'm not paying for it. You've no. got so you've got cold feet. I've got cold about. feet on Antonio oh, Brown. Thanks. Nice. Sorry, yes. I, I held off on saying. Bo Mitchell, it. ladies and gentlemen, he'll be here all week. Please tip your weight staff kindly. Wait a minute. 
Is that? Did we hit? Did we hit all your news we, items? Yeah, yeah, we okay. got. It. And we, if you, so this is um, speaking a little to what we'll be doing in the regular season. But part of our sort of change in format here is to not go into detail about every single news item because I mean it's a podcast and news changes and um, you know we want to give you our analysis of the news yeah. not all of the news and so if you have specific questions going into your draft whether it's about keepers or guys you're you know think you might be choosing between when it comes to your spot please hit us up on Twitter uh, check out our show notes uh, for uh, all of our Twitter handles including the show itself and uh, we are happy to help we're checking on there uh, all the time every, all day every day mm-hmm. we are uh, we should probably spend less time on Twitter, to be perfectly <laughs> honest. I'm sure my uh, stress levels would be uh, much lower if we did that. All right. What are you referring to uh, specifically, Mosh? Not a, no. Nope. <laughs> Don't get nope. Go- Hard no. The Mosh mute going. button is your friend. <laughs> Red light. Uh, let's talk draft strategy. So this is something. <laughs> let's mow this lawn again. Uh, the, <laughs> no, we'll, we'll do this first part real quick. So, um a lot of this, if you're you know a longtime listener, we've said a lot of this um, in the past, but you know there's going to be things specific to this season that we're going to get to. So first off is that league size dictates strategy. So this is what Bo was talking about, oh, yeah. where with the ten team leagues, you're really shooting for the moon because there is always talent on the waiver wire. So where you know you you, you want to air towards upside because and, and I just answered a Twitter question um, about this the other day too. Um, where, you know, it's like choosing between keepers in a 10-team league, and it's like, you know, when normally if you're only keeping two guys in a 10-team league, you know, Patrick Mahomes in a one-quarterback league is probably not a top-20 player. However, he is a difference maker at the position, or I think in this case we were talking Travis Kelsey. I get Mm -hmm. my uh, Chiefs mixed up, but um, that – that is a very valid consideration, an important consideration to make, because you at those onesie positions, you that is where you have the opportunity to really make a difference and go for those different difference makers. And I think that's the the point Bo and I have yep. made several times this show, right, Tuvi? Do you want to make that point? Make it a third time. So or, or just I think the on. league size is critical. Oh, no, are you paying attention? Does this concern so, I mean, all of us? And, and well, as it you know goes up, so when you're talking a 12 team league, you're balancing risk and reward, um, you know, fairly evenly there. In a 14 team league, and Tuvi, this is what you you spoke to is, um, you know, really leaning conservative early. I, you're you're taking your shots, your upside shots late in 14 team drafts, and you're obviously not getting as many of them uh, because yeah. of. Uh, you know, how long you have to wait between picks. But you're getting the same amount. You're just a thinner take, pool. Th- and they're, yeah. they're further between. 60% of Bigger the time. Bigger space. Yeah. 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 Math. <laughs> um, so let's talk specific to this season. Well, and we're just going to be talking 12-team league um, as our sort of baseline for this discussion. Um You've got a top four, top five pick, whatever it is. Are you guys just – is this bell cow back or bust at this point? And, wh- you know, what's your top five, top four or five look like? Yeah, I mean, the, t- the top three for sure with the weirdness of Ezekiel L. Although I think at least one of you has David Johnson. They're probably in that fourth spot right now. Yep. But I'm, uh, I'm taking Hopkins for sure once you get to five. I mean, my top three right now are, are Saquon, McCaffrey, David Johnson. Okay. Nice. I respect that. Tuvi. Uh, Kamara, McCaffrey, Barkley, Johnson. And then I look at uh, Hopkins. And, and I think Julio's closer because that offensive line in, in Houston is still awful. Yep. Mm-hmm. Just like it was last year when Hopkins. And, yeah, yeah. And it concerns me, year. but not enough that <laughs> we've seen Hopkins. Uh, he can make things happen. I just worry that it if, might be. It'll catch up to him eventually is Sage, what you're saying. Sage Rosenfels <laughs> instead yeah. of, uh, yeah. instead of uh, 
And yeah, well, the, the offensive Sean line in, in in Arizona is uh, is horrible, or probably <laughs> yeah. Is but Kyler Murray, no, I don't know, man. That's it's tough to get worse than that Texans line. I mean, for me, I think I'm still. I think my top five are all going to be running backs still, um, with Kamara at, at four and and James Conner at five before I get in the wide receivers. Mm. But what I do like about this year's player pool is like the the RB twos last year. There was a lot of just dicey, you know, situations there that I wasn't all that comfortable with. Whereas this year, when I look at that that grouping of guys, so you know, whatever order you're talking about these guys in, but your Devonte Freeman's, your Marlon Max, you know, Aaron Jones types, Carry on Johnson, who I've moved, you know, yeah. quite a bit up um, my list, where he's really a the running back. One loves Carry on Johnson. They do. Cook. They do. I mean, I've got Dalvin Cook as my RB seven right now, um, so I'm high on Cook too. But it's like all of these players, I'm I'm totally fine with starting with you know if it's Hopkins that you like, or if you end up getting you know Devontae exactly. Adams, Beckham, whatever. It to me, it is very much a whatever you're choosing first you are choosing three of the other positions next. So it's you're getting your bell cow and then receiver, 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 or you're yeah. getting a receiver and then going running back, running back, running back. I mean, now th- then you start to have your Kelsey, you know, where does Kelsey fit in and yeah. um, Kittle. I'm actually a little lower on. I, I have Ertz at three still, but I feel like he and, and O.J. Howard are a lot closer than um, maybe the people are giving that credit for. But, yeah, it, that's that's generally being, been my strategy. I typically – Typically, when I'm not reaching for Mahomes, when I'm trying to zig while others are zagging, I will want to, and I'm not picking in the top four, which hasn't happened to me this year. I've never picked on the top four this year. I'm grabbing a wide receiver in, in round one, one of those Hopkins, Adams, Julio Jones types. And like you said, I still think there's a lot of really good running backs to be had there in round two, and you can take another one in round three. And like I mentioned earlier, I'm not crazy about the wide receivers once you get past like the top 15. So I think... Uh, taking a wide receiver, a really good wide receiver there in the first middle of the first round or late first round, as the case may be, uh, makes a lot of sense. What I find interesting about the receiver position is that there is that definite drop-off, but I feel like the landscape is much flatter this year among maybe your you know roughly wide receiver 15 through like wide receiver 35 mm-hmm. than it ha- I mean usually it's just sort of a steady downhill you know climb but I feel like th- there are I could make an argument for basically like 20 guys to be in the top 20 but not in the top 15 you know yeah um, and so that that part of it is interesting to me because that means I can just keep taking these shots yep. at wide receiver and, one and, of them's gonna, and nail a wide yeah. receiver too. I think the landscape's flatter because uh, Bo has mowed it so well. <laughs> it's, he's just he's a phenomenal. I'm meticulous about my lawns. Yes, you are. I should have had you mow mine today. That would have been smart. Um, oh, you did. Uh, on the turn, uh, the. This is just some stuff to, to, you know, remember to keep in mind on your draft. So if you're picking on the turn, you know, whether that's the, you know, you draft first or 12th, um, you know, fight the urge to to pick a position after runs unless there's just no way a usable guy at a position you, you need is going to fall because otherwise you're just playing into your opponent's hands there. Really what you want to do is try to start position runs if you can. So basically a max amount of the other guys will remain so you you really have to know your league to to pull this off but you know if you can start a tight end run or you know the rb2 run or whatever that's what you really want to see happen a kicker run kicker run 
you know. Or you can just eliminate kicker and defense, which yes. I did from another yes. league in, that I'm in now, so I'm happy about that. Um, wow. And, and why, why would you just alienate an entire group of people like that? <laughs> That's a lot of people, too. There's 11 players on every defense. Uh, and then uh, also when you're drafting on the turn, I, me personally, and I don't know if you guys agree with this, but I do err on the side of balance um, early on in the draft uh, just to give myself more flexibility later as the draft plays out versus, you know, mm-hmm. starting – wide receiver wide receiver wide receiver or something like that i do try to mix and match for those first like six rounds as best i can same yeah i would tend to agree one one trick and i've picked uh at or near the turn in several drafts already this this season one thing i've tried to do in a couple of them later on in the drafts is to for instance nail down and i'm talking a lot later and nail down like the second wide receiver in green bay or pittsburgh by taking Mm -hmm. Uh, both Geronimo Allison and Marquez Valdez-Scanling, you know, at the turn. Uh, And that way, like you said, if you Mm -hmm. keep taking guys, you just need one of those guys to pan out. And uh, those are two pretty good situations, Pittsburgh and Green Bay, where they've got decent quarterbacks, I've, I've heard. And uh, if, if you get if you wind up with their number two wide receiver, if you got Mon, Moncrief and Washington, you know, a lot later on, uh, somewhere around the turn, you get one of those guys to pan out that late in a draft that's that's not bad i i've found that when i'm picking later and so on, on a turn that i will like to i wouldn't necessarily match up in a team although i do like that strategy there, but there's but, not a lot of examples right. like that those are the yeah. two that spring it, to mind it there's probably sense. not too many more um, but i do like to do that with a position if i take you know if i'm at 10 i'll take a running back at 10 and then coming back with, with the third pick in a in the next round take mm-hmm. another running back because you know, I've probably at that point I've probably got a group of guys that I feel good about, and I you know I identifying if everybody there is going to be taking a running back. You know, hopefully I can nail two out of this group, or what's you know obviously what's coming after me. Yeah. And do I need need to nail both of those down? But it kind of increases my odds of hey, here's two guys I like. I'll swing. You know, I'll take I'll take two good cuts right yeah. here, and you might start a run. You might start. You might That's be bonus. the starter of a run. Well, and I, I have that in here too. Is you know, don't be afraid even to take the third in a row at a position. Like if it's running back, running back, and there's a running back you like, especially if it's all in the same tier. I'm. I say go for it because you might actually. You know, that might be the tipping point to start a run. There might be yeah. a running back avalanche at that point. People um, are going to start getting that, worried. Oh my god, all the running backs are going. I better go. Yeah. Get one. So it's a little. I mean, there's. It's a little kind of like poker playing there, where you. You know, somebody. Somebody bets, and then you. Uh, you bet over them, and then the guys all behind you are like, "Well, I'm out." You know, <laughs> and uh, it, you just need to make sure that uh, you know your league mates. The good position to do that at is with quarterbacks in like the seventh round or something yeah. like that. That's when that's when if you get in at the start of the quarterback run yep uh you can usually be pretty assured that um you know that a whole bunch of them are going to go after that and you can just uh, be looking at other positions and and as meticulously as we all follow who's being picked i I am hyper vigilant on okay these next four guys and then four coming back to me or whatever that is what do they need yeah how many need? Hundred percent. Yep. Two. You know, do, are attention. three running backs going to go? Are five running backs going to go? Are is everybody going to? Do they need two running backs? Does who needs a tight end in there? Can I take a tight end here? Do I? Can I take my yeah. flyer on my fourth yeah. wide receiver and still get that tight end I want because nobody needs one? That's and, drafting one one that a lot of players overlook. Yep. Well, and I I find that that's most valuable when you're picking like ninth or tenth in a twelve team because. 
when you're in the middle and, you know, yeah. there's 10 picks before it gets to you, a lot can yeah. happen. But yeah. when there are six picks and you know exactly who those, you know, what those guys need, that uh, yep. you, you sometimes can wait on the guy you would have otherwise taken because you know he's not going to go. Um, yeah, I think we've hit on all of these. And just finally using tiers and, and ADP to your advantage. I mean, just because, uh, you know, if, you may, if you're using 2V's rankings um, or if it's, you know, whoever's rankings you're using, also have ADP ready because just because the you – you know the the running back you want is the next one queued up. Um, if if their ADP is two or three rounds later, and you've got a pick coming in another six picks, you're probably okay to wait and 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 can you know worry about and you know take care of a different position there. Um, in the know. in the draft I'm doing right now, that exact now I've got some receivers that I've got them in the late twenties, and their ADP is probably in the forties. And before I go to, I had a guy queued up. I'm like, this is the guy I'm going to take. Oh, wait a second. There's a good chance. And, and I got him two rounds later because that's the guy I wanted. And I'm all for getting the guy you wanted. But if you don't yeah. need to run out and get him, if you're reasonably confident he's going to be there in two rounds, then, you know, beef up elsewhere and you're still going to get your guy. Tell you what, man, all this draft talk, I feel like we got to talk about fantasy draft. Have you guys put your uh, $20,000 Hooters kickoff free roll lineups in yet? Mm, I'm, still, I'm still formulating my five lineups. Yeah, you get five. That's right, five free lineups into, yes, the $20,000 Hooters kickoff free roll at FantasyDraft.com. The top 750 finishers in this get a ticket into the Hooters $1 million kickoff, and that's uh, week one. So the $20,000 free roll actually starts Thursday. So that's when this podcast comes out, uh, God willing. Um, and we will. Uh, we want all of you in there with your five free lineups to if free. you if you free, free. no yes, charge F R E E and uh, like we said it's the it's a twenty dollar ticket that you'd be winning if you finish in the top seven fifty finish in the uh, outside of that but in the top twelve fifty you get a ticket to the four dollar wishbone in week one and of course inside the four thousand two fifty mark you get a ticket into their one dollar spiral so. It is. Uh, I'm not even going to throw it to Tuvi. We're not going to do it. I am a huge fan of fantasy draft. <laughs> Don't say anything. Oh, I'm just reading off the script here. <laughs> yes, good job, Tuvi. You uh, you you want to sit this one out? Yes. Yeah. All right. Play we, low for a while. That would be best. We've got we've got to talk auction strategy too, and we'll do that right after this break. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Party Podcast presented by Fantasy Draft on Score North here at JL Beers in Burnsville. Uh, we've already talked draft strategy. We need to talk auction strategy. And uh, I, I always like to start with 2V when we talk auction strategy because you've been doing the same thing in auctions for years, and I think it's been working for you. Yeah, you know, from time to time I'll mix it up if, uh, if there's some really good values early on. But for the most part, I... I trade my first round and sometimes my second round pick for <laughs> about five third and fourth round picks because yeah. I won't spend on the big ticket guy because I think if I wait long enough, if I throw out the right names, if I can encourage mm-hmm. people to spend money in the right places, there are going to be values for me at the key positions later on. And it's nice to have the most money you know, at maybe the two-thirds point of the draft, at the midway point of the draft, because then mm-hmm. you kind of dictate. And there have been times that I can think of at least a couple off the top of my head where you get to one-third left of the draft and you've got tons of money and there just isn't nearly enough talent to justify that <laughs> money left on the yeah. board. And you are got to be careful. Uh-oh. But uh, for the most part, yeah, it's it's been a strategy that, that works for me, and especially if you can – 
get the uh, fellows and, and ladies in your league to maybe have an extra beverage or two, loosen those purse strings, yeah. and encourage them to drop lots of extra money early on, and you pick up the bargains. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing in auctions is not only you know finding value for yourself, but helping other owners spend their money by bidding them up early in the auction when everybody still has money. Don't try that too late in your auction. Uh, but if, if you use that approach by just searching for values, it, you're going to wind up doing what Tuvi usually does anyways because early in the auctions is when everybody's spending money like drunken sailors or like drunken fantasy football owners. Um, and there's not going to be too many instances where a guy's going – for like eight bucks and you have him down as a guy who could go for 20 and you're like um i'm gonna grab this guy now because this is a ridiculous value so there i will i will look for those values so if whether it's early mid or late that's what i'm going for in the action but yeah i I usually wind up doing kind of the same thing tubi does i right there at about the halfway point of the action i'm among the owners like i'll have the third most money left right after tubi (laughs) and then then you can just you're, you're in charge of yep. the second half of yep. the auction then. you identify you, the two or three guys you that it. Uh, you think are the breakout people left on the board and then you you drop the hammer well honestly it's that's it's just the beauty of auctions because like i've had a lot of success in auctions and i do basically the opposite of you guys <laughs> it's like there are a lot of ways to succeed in auction and certainly yep. knowing the people that you are auctioning with goes a long way to uh, to your success. Um, but like the the situation when I've tried to play it, the way that, that Tuvi and Bo have talked about playing it is, I'll end up overspending on the one or two guys that I had eyed up when I go back and look at it because it's mm-hmm. like, well, those are kind of the last ones left I want to spend this money on, and if I don't spend my money on these guys, then I'm going to have a bunch of money left to spend on nobody. So um, what I – I yes, people have more money to spend early in drafts, and there are bigger-name players obviously available early. And so that is why you know money is most certainly spent more often uh, than not earlier in, the dra- in auctions than later. But that's where using tiers really comes into play. Absolutely. Is I was because just thinking that. If you um, – you know – if you kind of have a you know just a ballpark idea in mind of you know a percent budget that you're willing to spend on a position or what guys are going to go yes. for, um, I, I've generally found that like if you're talking about a tier of four or five guys, the first guy usually goes for about what he should roughly. The second guy in that tier is usually a value, and third and fourth are a little overpriced, and the last one in that tier goes for more than the other four you know, went for, uh, and it's, it's amazing how often that plays out because not everybody has the same tiers, but everybody's got a, a, you know, a general idea of, you know, the value of, of players and where, where they fall. And so I'll usually, you know, I'll, I'm not scared to take the first guy in a tier because I know that I'll probably get him at value. And I may even, you know, people might be like, Oh, if, if the, the standards haven't been set yet, if it's early on in the auction and people don't know, how much they're going to spend where or who else is going to do what. You might be able to sneak out something. You're probably not going to overpay, um, whereas I, I do find overpaying for players happens much more on average in the back half of a draft than it does in the front half. And so I'm okay being the guy that only has 20% of my budget left in the back half of the draft versus having 50% of it left. Well, 60% of the time, my <laughs> approach works every time. 
again, they all work. That's the, that's you, the beauty of yeah. it. And so let's talk about that last 20% a little bit, something that people do in auctions that drives me crazy, but I love that they do it because it helps me. <laughs> Is if you're sitting there, say you're in dollar days, you're down to, you can only get guys for a dollar. Right. And so you look down your list and you look so far down like, oh, I think I can get this guy, even though he's the 63rd running back. (laughs) And there's 20 guys on the board still ahead of him because you're worried that, oh, if I throw out running back number 40, somebody will go $2 on him. Mm -hmm. So what? Would you rather take a chance at having yeah, number, <laughs> right. running back number 40? Yeah, you have 25 more 63? chances. Yeah. And, yeah. And, you know, guys are going down there like, okay, I'll throw out Josh McCown. I know he retired, but I know I'll get him for a He's buck. Back like, now. Yeah, but, but, you know, Jameis Winston is still there. Right. And he, he might get him for – Yeah. people might yeah. be asleep at the wheel. It just, it, and I see it in every auction mm-hmm. I'm in. Yep. And it, it makes me giggle inside because I'm like, well – if I still had, if I had that guy was on my list, I'd cross him off. Yeah. But I, you know, he's not there. What so. about early in the auction? If if you really, really want to come away with the guy that's like forty seventh on the cheat sheet at a position, and you're like, I know this guy's going to outperform. This guy's a great sleeper. It's going to way outperform his perceived value right now. We're in the first one third of the auction. I'm going to throw him out for two bucks and try to get him really yeah. cheap and yep. just see if I can get away with it. Yeah, I, I like that strategy as well. I, I like mixing up how their head how, how I bid on guys, you know, bid on bid on guys who are going to be go for a lot of money that you don't want. Great, spend other people's money. Bid bid on guys that you really want for for a good value. Uh, occasionally throw out a guy that you want just to kind of so you, people don't get a tell on you. Yeah, and, and uh, create just a tell. Mix it up. Mix I like it up. to create a tell. I know there yeah. were there were a couple yeah. years in drafts where if if I didn't want a guy, but they, they thought, uh, you know, I wanted to make them think I wanted a guy. Yeah. So I'd like turn my hat backwards and, and lean in. Oh, yeah. Or, you know, do something that put your okay, I really or, or bid fast, you know, bid fast. 34, 35. Yes. 37. There are some oh, guys. Must really there are want some guys we guy. auction with. We know they yep. want that guy when they yep. do the fast bid. It's like, all right, well, I'm just going to keep bidding because yep. this guy's just going to keep fast. Bidding. Take him up to about 41 and then I'll just ah, then do, I'll just stop. My <laughs> early, early in a draft or an auction, I'll fast bid on literally every player, but early. Early. Before the you know before yeah. the price is close to being settled because I mean I mean that's everybody knows that auctions with me I will throw out except for dollar days I'm going to throw out a guy I don't want for a very low price and then if I get him okay but um, and then I'm going to bid on literally everyone else that gets thrown out <laughs> at least once. <laughs> two other things that'll really throw them off. One, bid in only prime numbers. Oh, that's my favorite. <laughs> or two, you have to, and this is a requirement in yep. every auction I'm in. 13. You have to bid Catorce when it go. gets to 14. We there don't even go. recognize $14 bids. Yep. It's like somebody Smart. else 14. It's like, in Spanish, please. <laughs> nice. Baxter, you know, speak English. <laughs> All right. Well, we are at the 53-minute mark, and we still have a lot of things to cover. So I we, like how we're, we're right. It's a shorter podcast. <laughs> Here, no, our standing goal was, was to show no, the no, no, no. I said, I specifically said in the regular season. We are not in the regular season. All yet. right. And generally in the past, we've done hours. four preseason shows. And since we're only doing two, we have a lot to get to. And we, we don't want to uh, rob the people of their hashtag content. We could so, almost right. put another mid-roll we in are, here. Uh, <laughs> Was that a quarter roll? <laughs> Three-quarter roll. Three-quarter roll? No. It's all right. still mid. No, it's we want to we talk sleepers. And we'll try to keep this short, but we're all passionate about our, our sleeper and, and bust players. So um, 
let's start. How do we want to do this? Bo, do you just want to go through your three, and then if uh, Tuvi and I have rebuttals, we'll give them, and if not, or we'll should move we on. just go one at a time? I don't care. Let's just go one at a time. All right. I'll get sick of talking. by height. And you guys will get sick of listening to me. <laughs> All right, uh, too late. I'll start with my first. Yeah, I'll start with my first sleeper, Josh Allen. Oh, that's just. Uh, yeah. See, here we go. I I, I try not to fall oh, this good. F- for the rushing quarterback, uh, but they're becoming more of a thing with him and Lamar Jackson leading the way here. Uh, it, last year, especially. Remember, Allen last year was basically a running back one with adding. Quarterbacks added quarterback stats yeah, has added value, especially yeah. the last six games of the year. Last six games, six rushing TDs. That's about one a game, I think. He had two 100-yard rushing games and two more 90-yard rushing games. Oh, and he, and he passed for some some scores too, and and had some passing Sometimes. yards. So he was a, a top five, maybe a top three fantasy quarterback the last month and a half of the season. I say all one. of that. I say yeah, yeah he might have been. Uh, in, in some scoring formats. Uh, the bigger re- biggest reason I bring him up is he's going undrafted in some leagues. He's quarterback 21 as average draft position right now for a guy who's, even if he doesn't run as much this year and Buffalo swears they're going to pass more this year, this guy's going to put up some rushing numbers. It's still, despite got Smokey Brown this climate year change, it still snows in Buffalo. He, yeah. And, yeah. Well, he did just just fine running yeah. the ball the last in December last yeah. year. So uh, he you. should not be he should not be quarterback twenty one. He's a perfectly fine quarterback too. He's not, and I love him in best ball. You don't go into him <laughs> into a draft saying Josh Allen is my QB one. But if you wait on the position till yeah. you're the absolute last person and you take him and. You know, who's quarterback in the about, team? How uh, about Philip Rivers? Brady, yeah. Jimmy Garoppolo. <laughs> Jimmy Garoppolo would be a nice pick as well. He's yeah. got an ADP idea. of 20. That's a beautiful segue. Right That's in front pro, of Allen. Pro guy right there. Um, and Jimmy Garoppolo's moving down because 0 for 5 in the preseason. you got to love so, that. Holy cow. Jimmy he forgot how to play football because yep. of the knee injury. So... I've got him as my He's QB still 14. still just as handsome, though. Oh, Jimmy GQ. He's just uh, <laughs> spectacular. Um, and Kyle Shanahan I trust, plus the fact that uh, in starts in his career as a 49er, average 284 yards and 1.5 touchdowns per game. And like I said, I've got him as QB 14. He's not my QB 1. But in the draft I'm in right now, I'm not going to – I'm going to – it's a 14-round draft. I figure the last pick, because you have to take a kicker, that's round 14. Yeah, yeah. Rounds 12 and 13 are my two quarterbacks. And if round I leave there with safe. Garoppolo yeah. and Allen as my quarterbacks, Done. Done. I'm pretty happy with that. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, my first sleeper is going to be Chris Carson. He's, he's not a quarterback. He No, he's not. I'm transitioning. But I'm staying in division. Uh, currently 25th running back off the board in best ball tens. He was actually 27th a couple weeks ago. So people are starting to uh, – there's yeah. been actually more of a drumbeat. I went on uh, Fanball Weekly a couple weeks ago and uh, made the same argument. And obviously everyone was listening to that because since then uh, it's become uh, a thing to really love Chris Carson. But uh, he only had 51% of running back touch share in Seattle last season. Mike Davis had 146 touches, and that includes 34 catches, and he is now a Chicago Bear. Bear down. Uh, still, Chris Carson finished 15th in PPR running back scoring last year despite being only 26th in fantasy points per touch and catching only 20 passes. Only Marlon Mack and Derrick Henry caught fewer among the top 34 running backs last season, and guess what? That volume he had, that ain't going anywhere. 
and uh, you know Rashad, Rashad Penny. Hey, Rashad Penny's touch rate nope. that's going to grow. It will absolutely grow at a higher like percentage than Carson's will. But Carson's still going to grow, and he was already seventh in attempts last year, eleventh in total touches, and this year top five. Because guess what? Jordan Howard, Adrian Peterson, Todd Gurley—they're not going to finish ahead of him. Zeke, who knows? Might not even play. Throwing the touchdown upside, you know, and this is from a back who was sixth in red zone carries last year, and that's a solid running back to floor. So that's a top 24 back floor with fringe running back one upside right now going at, as the 25th running back off the board. Ooh, baby. 100% agree. Ooh, Love Chris baby. Carson as a sleeper. And, oh, by the way, the Seahawks run the ball more than any team, I really. And so Wilson when you're talking percentages, times a game last when year. you're talking about percentages uh, of, uh, their, of the volume that they're mm-hmm. going to pick up, that's, that's percentage well, of I, a big number to begin with. I, you're right. I think they'll pass a little more this season because that defense is going to be much worse. But – Chris Carson's been catching passes for them so yep. far this training camp. And so if he can catch another ball a game, that's huge for his uh, end of season. That's like be another like point a game. 16 more receptions. Or half yeah. a point in a half right. PPR. Right. Uh, my second sleeper is Curtis Samuel. My immediate regret number two was the fact that I didn't have no – I have no DJ Moore and no Curtis Samuel at any I of my teams this oh, here season. It is. Dos. There. Dos. You know how much I love DJ Moore from, from last year. I gushed about him all last season. And now he's the wide receiver 24. Well, Curtis Samuel is the wide receiver 35 in average draft position. His, uh, by all accounts, he's just been ridiculous and unguardable in training camp. Take that for what you, for what you will. In eight starts last year, Samuel had five touchdowns, 494 yards. He's going to start every game this year. So clearly... We just double those totals, 1,000 yards and 10 touchdowns. That's how it works. Uh, yep, exactly how it works. That wide receiver, 35, he's behind guys like Marvin Jones and Sammy Watkins. Boring. <laughs> Boring. <laughs> Give me Curtis Samuel with a healthy Cam Newton who can actually throw the ball downfield. And uh, I think Curtis Samuel is going to be a solid wide receiver, too, this year. And two bonuses to Curtis Samuel. He's not that far removed from being a running back. They're going to find ways to, yep. you know, jet sweep and, and yep. other ways to get the ball yeah, in his hands as a bonus. Plus, he's still sweet. developing as a wide receiver. So, you know, you take that third-year jump. I mean, he's his curve started a little later, so there's still mm-hmm. plenty of uh, upward swing for him. Do you want to stick with wide receivers, and uh, we'll come? We'll finish off with your running back. Sure, we'll right. stick with uh, with my wide receiver. Uh, we talked a little bit about this Antonio Brown fellow. And uh, he's going to command some serious bucks and, and a high draft position. I'm going to wait and go with Terrell Williams. He's got an ADP uh, on MFL of wide receiver number 57. That's low. I've got him at wide receiver 30, which uh, given Gruden's offense, uh, which historically gives about 15% to the number two receiver, and that's even with a 25% mm-hmm. for Antonio Brown. So Antonio Brown shows up, feet are fine, gets his big share. There's still 15% left over for uh, Tyrell Williams, which puts him at about 850 yards and six touchdowns, which would have been wide receiver 15 in half PPR mm-hmm. leagues last year. When he had 100 targets, the year he had, I think it was 117 targets with the Chargers, he had 1,000 yards and seven touchdowns. He's had 70-ish targets the last couple of years, and he still had around 700 yards and four or five touchdowns. So he's going to give you... I mean, there's there's just no question he's going to give you better numbers than wide receiver 57. Yeah. And yeah. the upside of him at that number two spot is is a you know low-end wide receiver too mm-hmm. and if antonio brown freaks out which 
from what we've seen, is <laughs> entirely possible. <laughs> suddenly he's their wide receiver. And suddenly he's a 25%. Suddenly he's back in that 100-plus targets, over 1,000 yards, 8 mm-hmm. to 10 touchdowns. Yep. I'm, all, I'm on board with that. Yeah, I don't. I probably don't. Wouldn't have him as high as you do, but I absolutely agree. He's going to finish higher than fifty-seven. That's yeah. You're you're getting uh, you're you're getting a lot of uh, baked in upside if you get to draft him that low. Uh, like that one a lot. Uh, Christian Kirk, thirty-eighth in wide receiver ADP. Um, he is about ten spots higher for me than that. And you know, this one's pretty simple for me. Before his foot injury sidelined him the last four games, he was contributing as a wide receiver three, despite being a rookie, despite being in one of the league's worth worst offenses. You know, now he's poised to be really a de facto number one receiver in what's going to be, I would guess, a top five paced and certainly a top ten paced offense this year, catching passes from Kyler Murray, who by the way was Christian Kirk's QB at Texas A and M before he transferred to Oklahoma. You know, I do have him outside of my top 24 wide receivers right now, but not by much. And I feel like that's drafting at, drafting him at his floor. And right now, because of how that uh, preseason game two went, everybody is sitting the brakes on Arizona a little yep. bit. Yep. All that does is mean more value on uh, Kyler Murray and Christian Kirk. So go ahead, and, uh, go ahead and take, uh, take that gift. My only concern on him is that he did some damage in the slot, and I still think that's Larry Fitzgerald's gig. But yeah. I'm not saying he can't play yep. outside. There, there's nothing that says he can't play outside. And like you said, that offense is going to run 20% more plays than they have yeah. in the past. And so there's base going for, to be opportunity. They're going to have four wide receivers on the field more that often than not. two slots. slots. All the time. Yep. Uh, my third uh, and final sleeper is Robbie Anderson, another wide receiver here. Sam Darnold, his quarterback, to me, feels like another criminally underrated quarterback entering the season i'd be just fine leaving the draft with him as my number two qb based on his potential his reported advances this offseason not so much on his overall rookie stats which are up and down like you'd expect Mm -hmm. any rookie to be but i think darnold's a star in the making and robbie anderson's his wide receiver one without question and he's a home run hitter he was fourth amongst wide receivers in yards per touchdown reception last year, minimum 50 total catches. Also number one in air yards per target and number three in average yards at catch. Robbie Anderson had six touchdowns last year. Ten is not out of the question this year at all to me, and I think many of those, as given what his game is, are going to be bombs or bombas, as, as we like to call not, them. Not Minnesota. buying the Jamison Crowder hype, are you? He can be be fine because because I like Sam Darnold a lot. But uh, Robbie Anderson is a wide receiver 28 in average draft position. I neglected to mention that. Wide receiver 28, and he could finish with, I'll say it, wide receiver number one, wide receiver one fantasy numbers. That's hot take, bold. I like it. I like that, Bo. Uh, You know what comes after 28, 29? You know who's 29th in ADP? Elshon Jeffrey. Wide receiver. Um, For me, this isn't a situation of him being criminally underdrafted, a la Robbie Anderson as the number one wide receiver. I don't think Elshon Jeffrey is going to be there, but um, there are, you know, there's two guys I definitely put him ahead of, and and three others I think are close. And and even there, you're drafting him at his his floor. I mean, last year he was the 25th wide receiver in PPR, and that was in just he only played in 13 games last year and only got seven end zone targets. He saw 22 the year before. 
you know, Deshaun Jackson coming back, that adds the deep threat element back into an already explosive offense. J.J. Arcega-Whiteside is not going to take away reps from Elshon as long as Elshon's healthy. Yes, he's missed 14 regular season games due to injury the last four years. I get that. But, again, that's baked into that ranking as a low-end wide receiver, too. Uh, you know what? I don't mind that he's in a contract year either in a, in a big <laughs> offense. So uh, that can go one of two ways, obviously. But uh, I just there's, there's a lot of things, uh, um, you know, pointing up on Elshon at that price. I like, the, I like that receiver in that offense. And, uh, you know, since you guys have been ducking the running back position, I'll give you a sleeper-type running back. Oh, a guy that uh, his, his backup left, and he's still at uh, ADP of running back 20. I've got him at 11. I'm talking about Devonta Freeman from the Falcons. He played just two games last year. He was nicked up, uh, you know, and came back, and it didn't work out for him. All accounts are not only that he's healthy and looking great in camp, but that he may be the best pass catcher on the team. On a team that has Julio Jones, he might actually be the best pass catcher. They're <laughs> oh, going to use on. him, you know, even with Col- Tevin Coleman. There's got to be a sounder for this. <laughs> 15 plus touches per game, and now there's no Tevin Coleman, who is another guy that I like. I've got him at my running back 15 with a, an MFL ADP of 30. So nice. uh, there's a bonus running yeah. back for you. I, I love Freeman. Freeman's the classic guy if you take a wide receiver early. And then you're coming back and, and sifting through that second group of running backs. Like I said, I've got him at 11. I, I think he, running back one numbers and upside yeah. at a low running back two draft position. For sure. I'm obviously uh, still in the preseason working out the kinks because Tuvi talked about uh, John Gruden and I didn't do this. Let me show you what the turkey hole is. Oh, so yeah. my apologies Shaking off the rest. for that. Yep. Yeah. All right, let's talk busts. Uh, let's, uh, who do you want? Tuvi, let's start with you. Yay. Go right back into it. Well, I'll. Uh, Do you really want Tubi to talk busts? We already talked. We already did. The hey, how about that free roll? Um, <laughs> okay. You know, now, not, now that uh, he's not a Chicago Bear, I think Maj is on board with me that uh, Jordan Howard, who uh, has an ADP of running back 31, I've got him about 15 spots lower than that. Um, his yards per carry dropped each year. His value is in his touchdowns seven, nine, and yeah. nine the last three years. The Eagles, his new employer, had six different running backs with three or more touchdowns over the last two years, none of them with more than five, and they love this, uh, uh, who is it, Sanders guy? Miles, Miles Sanders. Miles Sanders. Probably going to be the yeah. guy. Jordan Howard does not fit what that offense wants to do. He's he's mm-hmm. a thumper. Yeah. That's, that's why the Bears got rid of him. He didn't really fit what their offense wanted to do. Right. I just don't see him getting the volume in that offense to be – and even RB31, that's a, that's a high RB3. Right. Uh, there are a lot of darts I'd rather throw uh, than the Jordan Howard dart there. Yeah, I'm kind of I am, I am kind of with you. Hey, the only thing is they actually gave up draft capital to get him. That's my, like, yeah. I wonder if they feel like, you know, part of the reason last year that the touchdowns were so spread out is J.H.I. came on late, you know. Um, am I even the right yeah, year? Was he, that I two years he, ago? I think he had um, three. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And it's it, – I, I, I'm a big Miles Sanders uh, proponent this year. Um, if you're in a deep league and and Howard falls, I think you can do worse because I do think there's a little more touchdown upside than three, but um, I agree with you that he is being overdrafted. Bo, um, you like to go bold, so I think as long as we're talking running backs, we might as well uh, go with yours because you're – man, actually, no. I'm going to do mine because you're going to make right. mine look ah. foolish. All right. 
um, because uh, mine is actually Sony Michelle. You may have heard of him currently, the RB23, one spot ahead of James White. Um, so he is uh, on the wrong side of his own teammate in these rankings right now, as far as I'm concerned. Um, Michelle, I have, you know, kind of as a mid tier RB3 right now. You know, he missed three games and was limited in another with his bad knee last year. Missed offseason work with that same knee. He hasn't been limited in training camp reps so far, so at least that's Man, good. if only we had a sounder. For yeah, hey, injury. I'm busy reading. Sorry. <laughs> uh, reading, no. I'm doing this on the fly. Uh, he finished RB34 in PPR last year, and that's behind. I mean, I realize these guys are like Hall of Famers, but TJ Yeldon, Peyton Barber, Naheem Hines, <laughs> Jalen Richard. Um, you know, he only what, what Hall of Fame is TJ Yeldon? <laughs> he only like to visit, right? Yeah, it's a it's a small building. Uh, only had a forty two percent touch share in that backfield last year, which was 29th in the league uh, at the position. I honestly can't say with any confidence that that number's going up this year with the drafting of Damian Harris with Rex Burkhead potentially healthy um, and certainly James White still there. He is getting more work as a pass, pass catcher in camp, so that merits a little interest in something I'm, I'm looking at. But, you know, Rex Burkhead, Burkhead is still there, like I said. James White, I think, is going to get even more work as a pass catcher with Gronk gone. Um, and, you know, Damian Harris, his bread and butter is between the tackles. And, you know, Michelle, last year he was way down at 53rd among running backs in yards after contact in 2018. So, you know, that ended up putting him at point six five points per touch last season. No running back that finished with more than 183 touches last year was worse than Sony Michelle was with point six five points per touch. He was really buoyed with those 42 red zone carries, six most in the NFL. He had 13 inside the five. So all that tells me is, yes, there's going to be a few huge games from Sony Michelle probably this year. Probably going to come out of nowhere. You're not going to be able to predict when they when they come. So in yeah. best ball, I think you can best make ball. them a little higher. Yep. But you know, ultimately, I still. So I think he's going to finish in the top 36. But there's these injury red flags, and there's going to be these disappointing weeks. So if you want to draft him as your sort of like mid RB three or flex, fine. But he's just trending towards this touchdown or bust type of player, and I don't want that out of my running back. Too. Rich man's Jonas Gray. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, nice. Wow. I remember Jonas. His name was Jonas. A uh, quick on-air production meeting since we're yeah. already pretty much, this is our longest podcast we've ever of done. Yeah. And we still have, like, in a whole another two segments left yeah. after this. Are we we're still going to do this? Yeah, let's do this. Okay. All right. Real good. <laughs> Real good. This would be the point in the album where you turn over and go get a beer, eh? Oh, no, wait. That's, that's <laughs> when they had vinyl. Are we putting this on vinyl? No. We should. <laughs> All right. Um, my, my first bust is uh, truly a go big or go home bust no kidding uh christian mccaffrey heard of him uh he's gonna be one of the, in, in the truest definition of the word uh he could definitely be a bust he has a lot a lot to lose here if you're taking him in the top three or four picks of your draft he's going number one in a lot of drafts here's a lot of there's a lot of room for him to regress this year um I think he has the most obvious path to regression of the of the first four picks in, in a lot of drafts here. First of all, his receptions with Cam Newton's shoulder healthy, as I mentioned earlier, yeah. uh, he's going to throw downfield more this year. He couldn't last year. He had to drop the ball off or dump it off last year. McCaffrey had 124 targets last year. That's probably That's not going to happen again. You know, even if he cuts back to 100 or 110 maybe, um, that's fewer targets, fewer chances for him to do things, fewer touchdown receptions. And his touchdown rushes last year jumped from two to seven. Again, playing with Cam Newton, 
who was injured with that shoulder, who had his career low in rushing touchdowns last year. Ah, and McCaffrey, what you're cooking there. McCaffrey, six of his seven touchdowns last year on the ground were inside the five yard line. Four of them were from the one. Cam Newton's going to get mm-hmm. two, two or three mm-hmm. of those, maybe. There's a couple Supermans just waiting to happen. Yeah, here. even if you subtract one or two targets per week from McCaffrey and take away two to four rushing touchdowns, he goes from being a number one, two, or three running back to still a pretty damn good running back, but you're not going to really get your full value from where you selected him. Sure. I think these things could happen. I still like Chris McCaffrey. Yeah. I just not taking him number one or probably two or three. I'll just let somebody else do it. <laughs> well, I mean, that's the the blessing and the curse of the, you know, drafting first or second overall yeah. is the best case scenario is you meet value. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, tough not, place to Not be. saying he's going to have a horrible year. Right. So he's – some bad things could happen well, uh, to his numbers. You know, we were talking running backs before, two of you, when you mentioned Devontae Freeman and, and if he's going to – be such a good pass catcher on their team. I got to imagine there's some people there that aren't going to get as many balls as maybe uh, some other folks hoped. Yeah, and such one, as one of them, I think, will be uh, Calvin Ridley, who uh, has mm. a ADP on MFL of wide receiver 21. Uh, my last iteration has him at 43. He'll probably move up into the low 30s once the dust settles. I do still have some tweaking to do. Um, he was the wide receiver 29 last year with 10 touchdowns, two more than Julio Jones. If you were to ask me to place a bet on who's going to score more touchdowns, I think I'm going to go with Julio this year. Yeah. I know mm-hmm. that, uh, you know, the track record is that uh, they ignore him, but I, I think that Julio's the opportunity is true for like a year and a half. Target. Yeah. Um, I think Julio gets his. I'm also big on Austin Hooper. I think Mohamed Sanu still uh, is in the mix. And like I said, uh, Devontae Freeman is maybe the best pass catcher on that entire team. So I smell some regression from that 10 mm-hmm. touchdowns. I think that dials back into the six range, which I think knocks him out of paying wide receiver two prices, yeah. you know, and not puts him you. as a decent wide receiver three in an offense with upside. I'm not, I'm not anti Calvin Ridley. Yeah. I just think I'm not paying top dollar for him because I don't think I'm returning yeah. that on my investment. Well, I'm in, I'm in that same kind of mold with Kenny Galladay. He's going as a wide receiver 19, uh, you know, I get liking the talent because, you know, I do, I do too. It's just all the surround here that, you know, has me unable to rely on him as this mid-tier wide receiver too, which is I feel like you're paying for or, you know, at his ceiling, at or near his ceiling there. Marvin Jones only played in nine games last season. Golden Tate was traded to the Eagles at the deadline. Still, with that, Galladay was only 21st in PPR scoring. You know, he had 56 targets in six games without Jones and Tate for just one touchdown. In that stretch, and his yardage was all over the place, fluctuated wildly. Jones is back. TJ Hawkinson is there to take some of those midfield targets with, from Golden T- uh, That was in Golden Tate's role. Sorry, Tubi's dancing. I can't yeah. even well, keep I'm playing just, Commodore. Come on. <laughs> How can you speak you? through Lionel Richie? I it's just, really it's hard. That's, I, I was, That's it took, dedication it to It took all of right my there. focus to do that, and then he started dancing, and I was, <laughs> that was just, impressive. Yeah. Um, anyway, Kenny Galladay. His target share was already 21% last year. That was 19th in the NFL. Could it climb? Yes. But to like 28% and up, which is like Julio, Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas, DeAndre Hopkins territory? No. And even if it did, Detroit doesn't pass as much as those teams do. You know, that's not to say in a typical, you know, modern day offense, having another talented receiver won't actually help Galladay. I think, it, you know, it, it will. Marvin Jones being there is going to help that offense 
overall. It's just it's not going to be the, the pass-happy offense. It's Daryl Bevel now, which means you don't get to talk about Jim Bob Cooter uh, as much, Ooh. which is a bummer. Um, per Scott Barrett at PFF, in Bevel's last 11 seasons, his team have ranked top five in run percentages six times and top 12 eight times. So too much running and uh, not enough balls to go around to make Kenny Galladay worth the price of admission. We should well, get Jim Bob Cooter on the podcast. We should. I'll reach to out. To sing Commodores. I'll reach out again. <laughs> Do I go or is Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, okay, we're uh, talking wide receivers. I think you've got one lined yeah, up. Yeah, Tyler there. Lockett. I'll keep this short and sweet. He's wide receiver 20 in ADP right now. Uh, that's too high for my blood just because simply his 2018 efficiency is absolutely unsustainable this year. You, you're saying that he won't have a perfect passer rating to him again this year? <laughs> Come on, Ball. He had 70 targets, 57 receptions, almost 1,000 yards, and 10 touchdowns on those 57 receptions <laughs> that he had last year. That's the second most uh, touchdowns per reception amongst wide receivers last year, right behind Mike Williams, right behind Ahead of the guy you just mentioned, Calvin Ridley, that's a touchdown every 5.7 receptions for Tyler Lockett. I'd throw Again, it six I, times I, a game then, at least. I'm not mad at Tyler Lockett. No. You I don't hate Tyler angry. Lockett. You're just pointing. I'm just pointing at him. <laughs> hey, you. I know you. And you're not going to uh, score uh, ten, 10 touchdowns on 57 receptions I this show, year. I had to show that clip to Melissa like a month ago. She didn't know the reference. Oh, uh-huh. God. That was, that was good times. Good yeah. times. Uh, I'm going to let you two actually finish with your last two, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump in here early with my last one. Stop me if you heard this before. Eric Ebron, a bust. Uh, Guess who was uh, the number one tight end in touchdowns per reception yeah, right. last year? Right, um, Second in the NFL behind Mike Williams. Yeah. Um, I probably just mowed your line. Eric, Eric Ebron, tight end seven right now. I have a tight end 12. Honestly, I do wish I could be lower, but I have to acknowledge even with so much downside, he does still have starting fantasy tight end potential. And, and as you all know, if you've listened to the show in the past, <laughs> I used to be low on him because of his you terrible hands. Him. Now it's because last season was the absolute outlieriest of outlier seasons <laughs> that could a word. possibly have. Um, you know, Andrew Luck had very few targets to throw to last year, and his top tight end was basically hurt all year. Yes, Jack Doyle, his top tight end. He brought 11 touchdowns in his first four seasons combined before catching 13 and running in another last year. Jack Doyle running, outsnapped. The rushing touchdown. Yeah, just, like, to, just the big F you to He actually right sent there. me a letter after that. Um, now Jack Doyle actually outsnapped Ebron 30, 331 to 164 and out-targeted him 32 to 22 in the two games they were both active. Doyle is, by all accounts, healthy, ready to go for 2019. Not only that, they added Devin Funches, which big-bodied receiver that can be a red zone threat, very Ebron-esque. And Paris Campbell, who will take middle of the field targets away from both tight ends, it just ain't happening. I'm sorry. I was wrong. I I will admit it didn't work in my favor last year. I don't think I wrong. I don't think the process was wrong. The results didn't quite work out. But anyway, I know at least uh, one of you has got a tight end to talk well, about if, as well. And what if Kobe Brissett plays exactly. like seven games this year too? Yeah, lots of lots of downside. Lots of downside. All right. Hey, Let's, you know what? A lot of people like Bucks this year. Tampa Bay Bucks. That is. What do you guys think about a couple of their uh, high rollers? Let's pile on the tight end position. Uh, O.J. Howard is your tight end four off the board. I've got him at tight end 11. Um, wow, that's way down on O.J. Well, Howard. Here's, here's some I math. I need a record scratch that's for that That's kind of one. aggressive, and I like it. I like it. <laughs> here's some math numbers for you. Math numbers? Last oh, year. That's new. As opposed Fitz, to. Fitz and Jameis combined for 5,300 yards and 36 touchdowns. 
This year, I scoured the interwebs for projections and the ballpark, and being generous in my rounding and counting and things, 4,527. Generous or inaccurate? So, <laughs> no, it was, I mean, it was, it's like one was 4,350, one was 4,400, so 4,500 is easier to remember. Okay, right. done. Sure. So they're, off the top, we're taking off 800 yards and nine touchdowns. And then you've got... Uh, it was my understanding that there would be no math. I know. That's why I'm trying to make this in bite-sized pieces for people. Then you've got this Godwin character who's going to be like the next oh, Jerry he's Rice. He's Randy Moss. Bruce Arian said he's a 100-catch guy. Yep. So what's left? And, and whatever's left, half of it's going to Cameron Braid anyway. So I just <laughs> – there's so much regression built into O.J. Howard. A talented dude. Um, Bruce Arian's offenses generally haven't fed the tight end, but – you know, he's talking highly about using both tight ends, playing playing two tight end sets. So I think he's the kind of guy that can adapt to the talent he has. Um, I just i am not paying for a tight end four when there are so, every corner you turn, it's a negative as to, you know, how can he replicate what he did last year? Well, Jameis Winston's going to have to have not just a career year, but, you know, blow out of the water year and, Half of that was supplied by Ryan Fitzpatrick anyway. And then Godwin, who maybe doesn't blow up, I, you know, I don't know. Come it, on. There's just not enough ways this can go right for O.J. Howard for me to buy tight end four. Well, let me dovetail off of that by huh. naming Jameis Winston as my quarterback bust. Uh, all the things that Tuvi just said, Bruce Arians this, uh, his top three receivers are apparently deities now that uh, – Remember Jameis Winston on a year ago? A lot ago, of deities today. <laughs> what exactly are you, are you, you saying? That, are you saying Godwin's the king of Tampa Bay? <laughs> wow. <laughs> wow. Remember a year ago at this time, Winston was facing a three-game suspension to start the season. Then he wound up losing his job midway through the season because he kept turning the ball over, and Ryan Fitzmagic was there to pick up the pieces for several weeks. He wound up playing 11 games. 19 touchdowns and 17 turnovers between interceptions and fumbles. Huh, that's a lot. Um, Wasn't great, Bob. That's almost two a game. He's going to be a free agent at the end of the year. The Bucks didn't. They didn't extend him. Wow. I mean, they, they might. They might. You know, franchise tag him or something. But uh, there's there's no Fitz magic to back him up this year. They're going to just throw him out there and to see what happens because Blaine Gabbert's the backup. And right now, Jameis Winston is your ADP of quarterback 12. He's a QB1. Quarterback 12. You're confident when that he's your what, starter. I, there's no way I'm taking <laughs> him at quarterback 12. There, I can find at least six, if not eight, more quarterbacks. Oh, I'd my rather have goodness. You should be able value. to find at least 11. <laughs> well, just, just because. Just because. <laughs> it's my understanding. Well, I'm saying at that value. At that oh, value. At oh, that value if he's going to go in the middle of the seventh or eighth round or ninth round or whatever, Somebody else can have Adam. <laughs> I'll take Josh Allen, you know, seven rounds later than take Jameis Winston. Yeah, there. on air production meeting, we're not doing this last segment. <laughs> we're doing that next week. I told you. <laughs> I told you. Uh, well, also, I can't handle such heresy with O.J. Howard and Jameis Winston. Oh, my goodness. I wish I would have prepared a rebuttal. Um, no, we uh, just yeah. go buy Tampa Bay. We've had, yeah, we've had so Florida much. said it's for sale. Go no, I don't, I, don't, I don't know about that. They're moving um, to Greenland. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we've 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 
We're we're about to go let's, off the rails what's here. What's that so shark we're doing? This. Jumping over. We will be we will be back here at JL Beers for more beer. Fan, well, more beer for sure. Fantasy Football Party Podcast presented by Fantasy Draft. Uh, now back on our uh, old home, now our new home, Score North. We're excited to be back. So next week we will get to the uh, early season schedule information, the uh, difficult and easy schedules uh, as you're planning your draft and auction, especially for those of you who are going to be streaming positions early on. Still relevant because uh, the season won't have started yet. It, it will That's still be relevant. Yes. Real good. We'll Thank get you. To it. We, and, uh, of course, we'll uh, talk more about position battles and uh, whatever other news comes up. So uh, we talk about that free roll some more. We well, the, there might be another free roll. We never know. We'll find out from Fantasy Draft. But uh, make sure you are getting on to FantasyDraft.com and checking that out. And I should also, I, I, we did not mention Fantasy Labs yet, uh, but you can use the code 10OFF, right? 10OFF. Correct. To get $10, $10 off a trial off. membership. That trial membership usually costs 16 bucks or 15 bucks, something like that. So you're getting more so than half off. Like six or yeah, five. Yeah, 60% yeah. of the time you're saving 70% every time or something wow. like that. Great math. Yeah. Something like yeah, it's it's been a long. And you can win it back. We've by done a lot of rake talking. Free at fantasy draft. Yeah, there's a lot of good stuff going on over there. So we're just a full service stop here. Yeah, we are. We so, have beer and everything. Make sure you're coming out. Like I said, 6:30 p.m. is going to be our start time both uh, next week and the week after. So August 28th and whatever the first Wednesday of September is, because I don't have right after Labor Day. Yeah, two days. I'm going to go with the fourth. That's my guess. Right. I don't know. Close. May the fourth be with you. All right. Well, may you come visit us here at JL Beers in Burnsville. Um, and, yeah, for, for Bo and for Tubi, good luck with your drafts and auctions this week, and we'll be back in seven days.